Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Artist Avenue. This time around, Jordan from Geek Age comic podcast, Nonstop Comic Shop, sits down with returning Artist Avenue interviewee Alexia Feldhausen to announce her new Kickstarter for an animal samurai epic, 47 Furious Tales, in collaboration with W.S. Quinton and Sinopa Publishing. They also have rollicking conversations about comic book art, video game art, cats, properly pronouncing last names, how not to be afraid of ink, unfortunate Keanu Reeves movies, and the important distinction between Joe Kubert and Kubert the video game. At the end of the day, Jordan learns a lot about Japanese squirrels. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. And if you're looking to support, please check out the link in the show notes. Well, hello, hello, all you comic book fans out there in internet land. Uh, my name is Jordan Hazelwood, and on behalf of the, uh, the fine folks at GeekAid.com, I am taking a moment to sit down with, uh, with a friend of a friend of my new boss uh, to talk a little bit about her, uh, her upcoming Kickstarter. I have the pleasure of introducing Ms. Alexia Feldhausen. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks for uh, doing such a great job in the pronunciation of the last name. I do my best. Uh, it kind of stems back to my very first uh, interview with a comic book personality. Are you familiar with the uh, comic book scribe J.M. DeMathis? I am not. Ah, uh, well, if you were, you probably know it's pronounced DeMatteis. Yeah. And I, I really wish I had known that before before the the eight friends started rolling. But in any case, you know, once bitten, twice shy. Yeah, but, I mean, I get that. I've had a couple of incidents, not incidents, but occasions where I admire certain comic artists and they have, you know, ambiguous last names. And you're, I, I was lucky enough to ask them personally, but it's, it's such an embarrassing thing to do. You're like, mm-hmm. I'm really sorry, but how do you pronounce your last name? Mm-hmm. And, but I imagine that if I ever do manage to get to that spot where they are, um, they'd probably be asking me the same thing. Yeah, that's the thing, um, the thing about comic books. They're purely visual mediums, so... Yeah. Please go ahead and tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Alexia Feldhausen. I'm a graduate of the Kubert School, class mm-hmm. of 2014. Mm-hmm. And recently I have been contracted by Sinopa Publishing to work on a comic book series with uh, their writer, W.S. Quinton, that is a telling of the famous Aiko incident, the 47 Ronin. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you familiar with the story, Jordan? Um, uh, thank you for asking. I actually am uh, rather familiar with it. I uh, became something of a study uh, about three or four years ago uh, because of that hilariously awful movie starring Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of interpretations of that story throughout the years, and if you think about it, it's still kind of crazy that that actually happened. It's mm-hmm. not really... It's not made up. It actually historically happened which is yeah Mm -hmm. it's uh bizarre but it's you know that's the way things were back then i find it a very cathartic uh story to come out of um you know feudal japan uh a society that is so strictly lawful and regimented and yet it's a story of of a bunch of guys who who said hey you know our boss shouldn't have died let's break all the rules and then wreck some stuff yeah I, I, I think I kind of understand why that resonates so uh, resonates so strongly. Yeah, no, you're right. It's interesting because they they pretty much just broke the code of Bushido by doing that. Um, I mean, in the end, they all did commit seppuku, but still, it's <laughs> they weren't supposed to be doing that, and that goes completely against their entire way of living. But you can imagine they must have been very irate mm-hmm. to be doing that. 
it's just I'm, I'm sorry I keep flashing back to that movie I, I, <laughs> let, 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 let me just let me just uh, say I, I am extremely grateful for you uh, uh, for your endeavor to uh, to put out this comic book adaptation because obviously the market is due for some you know good versions of the 47 Ronin story it, just the fact that the, that the movie had I guess they, they they wanted it to appeal to a to an American audience so it's like hey let's Let's put in put this white guy in and have the yeah. entire story revolve around him. In so far as that the villain has, uh, you know, his pet Kitsune, you know, the half fox woman, uh-huh. uh, witch, and the the actual, you know, historical uh, Ronin are, are talking to Keanu Reeves, saying, you know, we, we need your help because you are white. The Kitsune's <laughs> magic will not work on you because she draws the power from uh, from our homeland. So, long story short, the future of Japan rests with your whiteness. <laughs> My gosh, the way you're putting what? it right now, I don't remember watching it like that, because I, I do remember watching that movie, and just like, <laughs> ah, I just feel like watching a crappy kung fu samurai action flick kind of way, you know? Because, you know, you know that's what you're getting when you're watching a Keanu Reeves film. But, you yeah. know, that's fine. If you like that, that's totally fine. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't think many people like that. That movie lost like $200 million. <laughs> Oh yeah, no. I mean, I'm not saying it was a good movie, <laughs> um, but I have to admit, I'm not. You can't, I can't really take full credit for taking on this endeavor. It was really my writer um, Sam mm-hmm. who brought it out there. I and a couple of other Hubert students and graduates were working for his publishing company, doing RPG fantasy illustrations for his upcoming um, RPG adventure modules. Mm-hmm. And he had this whole work group set up on Facebook. So one day out of the blue, um, I think it's because he'd been talking to one of our acquaintances about maybe doing comics through the uh, publishing label. So he kind of out of the blue threw this idea out there of, hey, you guys know Legend of the 47 Ronin? Well, I want to redo it, but with anthropomorphic characters. And I want to make it historically accurate. And the moment I just read Samurai comics, I was like, I call dibs, I'm on this. Like, let's make this happen. Um, that was more like a spur of the moment because I'm just a very big fan of the samurai genre in general. Anybody who mm-hmm. knows me personally would attest to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I, um, I, I did browse through your uh, official website and I'm thinking like, yeah, there's a lot of katanas. <laughs> I'm seeing five of them on this page alone. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So, again, it was just like, no, I call dibs. This is it. This is mine. So... I think I, in a sense, I under, underestimated him, and like, no offense, Sam, but oh. um, he was just so structured and organized about tackling this thing and setting it up. He's like, okay, well, this is the story. I'm like, okay, great, I love it. And then, you know, we just start talking about story structure, talking about, you know, kick, setting up the Kickstarter, just talking about everything, trying to get it together. And next thing I knew, I was like, you know, messaging Evan calling retailers, calling retailers back home, uh, spreading the word, making all this art, and um, putting up the Kickstarter, which came out today on the 14th of September. It went live. Mm-hmm. Yes, so it's, it's been really, really exciting, very nerve-wracking as well, but a very, very exciting process so far. And I, uh, so far, I've actually kind of learned a little bit about it in terms of uh, raising awareness for any of your projects and stuff like that, because I'm just, honestly, I'm not very social media savvy. I'm not the type of per- again. Anybody oh. who knows me personally would attest to this. I'm not yeah. the person to usually spend any time on Facebook whatsoever. Yeah, I think it's been like three years since I posted something to my Twitter. 
Which, which is kind of odd because because people tell me that that I, I tend to communicate in pithy one-liners. So you think Twitter would be my forum, but I just I just never I just never have the uh, the energy to use it. Yeah, I just I keep I have to like remind myself daily to post things on my Instagram so that you know I continue getting followers and keep the followers happy. Um, but God knows I very easily forget that stuff. So this has definitely forced me to sharpen my social media skills, which are you know again I lack of. And no, that that's definitely been one of the aspects where I've definitely improved a little bit on. I hope so anyway. I hope I'm not annoying too many people by posting endlessly now about the same thing over and over again. Well, yes. Yeah, so before we bury the lead any further, uh, so your your Kickstarter, of course, is very is a time sensitive. Uh, it it ends um, November fourteenth. Is that right? Thirteenth, I believe. Uh, November thirteenth, two thousand seventeen. So hey, if you're listening to this before November thirteenth, two thousand seventeen. Feel free to check it out. Yes, do please check it out. Um, um, spread the word, share the link. You know, just like spread the love for Samurais and Samurai Comics because that's what we're trying to do. We are trying to do our best to give you um, somewhat a historically accurate description of what happened mm-hmm. um, with that legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- th- there, there is one question if you'll assuage my curiosity. I've, I've only seen the uh, the, the cover. Of uh, your perspective, first issue. So one of the Ronin is a squirrel. Uh-huh. Um, are, are are they all squirrels, or are they various animals? They're various animals. Um, Sam's original idea was to have them all be squirrels, but I told like the moment I read that in the original outline, I was like, how am I going to differentiate all <laughs> of these characters if they're all going to be squirrels? Like that's very difficult to do. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's I, 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 not I, as interesting. So. I, I, I suppose you could watch like the nut job movies for uh, for a frame of reference, but <laughs> I, I I can't in good conscience uh, you know recommend people watch those movies for any reason actually. But I don't necessarily consider myself an expert in drawing animals. Like I learn as I go, so I was just like, okay, no, this has to no. change. So that's when I suggested we throw in different kinds of animals. Um, so I think I suggested monkeys. And there's a gang that's called the Grey Wolf that, funny enough, also employs monkeys. Um, <laughs> what a swerve. <laughs> I know, it's a funny thing. Um, rabbits, different types of squirrels, that's definitely true. But we va- foxes, mm-hmm. foxes in the- so we varied it a little bit more to make it just more visually interesting. Um, my entire point of reference for the anthropomorphic angle is uh, Juanjo Guarnido's Black Sad. I don't know if you heard of it, Black Sad is a European comic that got put out by Dark Horse, translated into English and put out, and it's just, it's gorgeous. But so we're talking about an artist who was working for a Disney studio in France for a very long time, and you can tell, you know, he's got a very heavy Disney influence in it, but it still works because it's a detective noir, mm-hmm. and it's about a black cat who's a detective, so it's it's great. <laughs> but I, anyway, I would tell Sam about this book, and I'm like, oh my god, this is like one of my favorite books ever. Like, I talked to this man, he's, he's very nice, and... You look, you look at anthropomorphic comic stories, you look at Black Sad, definitely. Mm-hmm. I find myself leaning more towards Mouse. Oh yeah, there's that too. <laughs> there's of course yeah. that too. Mouse is a very yeah. important piece of in, in, uh, um, graphic literature. In case you don't know, that Mouse is a is a uh, graphic novel that uh, that reena- essentially reenacts the Holocaust, but everyone's a mouse. Which makes you wonder how <laughs> Art Spiegelman made that work if everybody was, everybody mm-hmm. were mice and all the Nazis were cats, but 
I guess we better pull out of this, and I'll, I'll end with a joke. Uh, don't you think, you know, I'm sure, please steal yourself against the the army, surely the army's of internet trolls who are probably going to ask you, don't you think that if you're casting the lead Ronin as as a squirrel, which is which is a creature only indigenous to North America, isn't this the same problem as the Keanu Reeves movie? You know, you're casting American animals in, in roles that should go to Japanese animals? Well, you're wrong. There's actually squirrels in Japan, native to Japan. <laughs> okay. Wow, I pride myself on my research. Like, I, I completely missed that. Wow. Uh, my hat's off to you. I... Well, again, Sam. Sam's the one who's doing the research. I'm just drawing. I'm just drawing the mm -hmm. pictures. Uh, hey, I finally arrived at my favorite part of, of every interview I conduct, the part where I get to talk about me. So, uh, I co-host the new comic book media review show um, on, on Geek Aid. It's called The Nonstop Comic Shop. Uh, my my co-host uh, Brendan, um, he was not able to be here today, but I, I, I kind of wish he was because uh, the fun dichotomy that we have on our show is that um, I'm I'm very good at describing the stories of comic books, and he's he's far far better at me uh, in describing the artwork. Now that's again again uh, you know going from describing a visual only medium in an audio only medium of podcasting, I find it rather difficult to. Uh, to you know, paint the picture again in in the audience's ears, so to speak. But I think that Brendan's quite good at it, and he is he, he knows a lot about um, the art of art, uh, composition of um, of uh, paints and inks and such. And um, so, I mean, I, I did my best to put myself in his shoes and look over your bio and think, well, what is the first thing that Brendan would ask you? And I think I found it. Surely, if Brendan were here, he would ask you, Alexia, what kind of cat do you have? What? Sorry, what kind of what? What, what kind of cat do you have? Oh, my cat? Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's, a, she's a calico tabby. Aw. Yeah. Um, right. Well, I'm not going to go into that story. I'm sure people don't want to hear about how I got my cat, but okay. yes. I'm sorry. If, if there's one thing he likes more than comic book art, it's cats. Oh, okay. But, uh, okay well, so, so, with that non-starter joke out of the way... Um, <laughs> What would you say are, are, are your biggest uh, comic artist uh, influences? Oh boy, here we go. That, that, that question. We, we, back at the Cuber School, we would have many uh, discussions, heated discussions, about what our top five would be, and it's such a difficult thing to put down because it, it can change at any time, depending on where you're at in your life, I guess, and which people you admire at the moment. But... If I have to say right now, the influences are definitely, first and foremost, I think is always going to be not a comic book artist, but a game developer, um, Yoji Shinkawa. He's the character designer for all of the characters in the Metal Gear Solid series. Mm -hmm. um, he's been one of the biggest influences in my life so far. I can really trace it down to when I was nine and I saw his art in the uh, manuals of the games back when they still had manuals for games mm -hmm. I actually remember those days Is right? it, some games have digital manuals and uh, the games yeah. the games are designed in such a way that you never actually need to read them <laughs> yeah I know exactly with all the tutorials and stuff so but anyway so he's definitely number one another person that I look up to and try to kind of work towards is Matteo Scalera uh, I've actually been very fortunate to have something of an acquaintance if that's the word, like he kind of knows me, and obviously I know him, and uh, I meet him, or I visit his table every year at New York Comic Con. He's such a sweet guy. He always takes his time to look at my stuff, even though it's you know not the best. But 
Anyway, Matthias Galeri is a huge influence because of his way of ink wash, the way he uses ink wash in his page for Black Science, for example, just the way that he uses ink in general. Mm -hmm. If there's one thing that can be said is that he is the one who taught me not to be scared of inks, because as a second year keyword student, uh, that was the first time I went up to him and he was working on a pinup uh, on-site commission at New York Comic Con and he was just like whipping the brush around and you know throwing ink all over the place and i'm just like oh, what are you doing and he just he just literally tells me don't be afraid don't be afraid just work with it and if you do make a mistake that's what whiteout is for just <laughs> let go of the fear that a lot of new young artists have with inking and the moment i got into that mindset was the moment i was able to free myself up a little bit more in my own work to the point where, you know, now I can just kind of, kind of do the same what he does, which is kind of whipping the brush around over the page and just moving the ink around and diluting it with water and all that stuff. But he was definitely the person who told me to just let go of that fear of trying to, trying it to be perfect. Because that's the thing, you as an artist have this mindset that if you don't put that line down perfectly the first time around, it's, it's going to ruin everything. And mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's just a philosophy, an artist's philosophy, I, I guess. You know, some inkers would probably work that way, just like have that perfect line down on the page in the first try. And most people obviously don't have those skill sets, so mm -hmm. it's a lot of trial and error in the beginning. But Matteo was the one who just told me, just like, don't be afraid of it, just let it go. Mm -hmm. And uh, who knows what's going to happen? And it, it really works for me personally. Um, I, I'm oddly reminded of whenever I see someone doing a crossword puzzle in ink, like with a pen, mm -hmm. like, you, like you think to yourself, wow, he must be really good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or he's using whiteout, which is, it, it would be so much easier to do in crossword puzzles than compared to uh, actual artwork. Definitely true. <laughs> Um, so those are two guys, and um, the one I always have to come back to is the man who's very much responsible for getting me into comics in the first place. Although I don't say I really draw like him as much, um, but it's J. Scott Campbell. Mm -hmm. Because it's J. Scott Campbell's Danger Girl, issue one, that got me into comics. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, I heard that in the in the uh, the board at work um, interview, interview that that you that your uh, your Facebook page uh, hopefully linked to. Yeah, I, was, I, I listened to that to make sure I didn't repeat too many questions. Yeah, you did good in your homework, Jordan. Oh, thank you. I try. Still have a extremely wide blind spot when it comes to squirrels, apparently. But uh, <laughs> um, I tell you, I, I tell you, uh, I didn't mean to put you down there, but no. I was just like, oh hell no. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite all right. Uh, I think um, um, the last thing I'll add to this uh, topic of conversation is that there, there is one artist that I, I'm, I find myself really liking, and uh, and Brendan cannot stand him. So I just I actually like to hear your opinion if you've heard of this guy. Are you familiar with Jay Lee? Yes, so, I love Jay Lee's work. Yeah, I, I there's just something about it that really really clicks with me. I mean, he's his work is so dreamlike. It has a lot of like blurred edges. But I guess it I guess it helps that that he that uh, that he um, drew two of my all time favorite comics that were both collaborations with uh, Paul Jenkins. Uh, oh, you're talking about um, I know which one you're talking about. Uh, that'd be Sorry. that'd be the the Inhumans yes, and uh, and and mm -hmm. and especially no my all time favorite comic is the Sentry. The Sentry, that's right. Yes, I remember that. Um, it's funny because I actually didn't get introduced to Jay Lee's work until way later when he was doing the Dark Tower series. That's when I found out about Jay Lee and his work, and I was just mesmerized. But th that combination of 
Jay Lee and Richard Eisenhoff's coloring, which was also another eye-opener for me, so it made me realize how important good colorists are in comics. That was just, um, it was kind of a, yeah, it was definitely a wake-up call for me in a lot of ways, that, that run, the Dark Tower series that they did. It was really good. Shame about that movie, though. Yeah, yeah. How, how, uh, um, how is it that so many of our favorite things have, have, have really not fared well in the cinemas recently? I don't know. I, I, wish I, could, I wish I knew the answer. Uh, so, uh, um, again, in, in my homework, uh, yes, the topic of Metal Gear Solid uh, crops up a lot, it seems. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, man, I tell you, I, I loved the first game so much. I think I, I think I beat that game four times in a row when I first got it. And I have, certainly have not done that with many games since. And I was so jazzed when the second game came out, and like, oh, this is the future of gaming. We're on the you know, the PlayStation Two, and ooh, look, I can shoot that bucket of ice, and the ice melts in real time. The future is now. It'll, it'll, <laughs> this this will be good forever. And then Raiden showed up. I'm, I'm cringing so much for you right now. <laughs> hey, everybody, look at me, cartwheel naked and slip on bird poop. Wee! And then I said, well, this this uh, this franchise is over. And then and I, came out. I, and I never played another Metal Gear game. Oh, no, I really? keep meaning to go back to it. Um, no, Jordan, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. Go and pick up Snake Eater right mm-hmm. now. You know, the funny thing is that I actually do have the uh, Metal Gear trilogy on PS3, which is uh, 2, 3, and Peace Walker. Uh-huh. And I think I also have four uh, that's over there. I, I picked those up for like dirt cheap like a year ago, and I've been meaning to get back into them, and I, I just I haven't yet. I, I do appreciate the fact that uh, so many people have said so many great things about Snake Eater that I think I actually could visualize a, a complete playthrough of the game, despite the fact that I've not yet played it. Like I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could point out at what point you meet the uh, the astronaut with the flamethrower. And, and the guy who can summon a suit of armor made of bees. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Look, the, there are some very interesting document YouTube videos about um, Snake Eater, about their tackiness, because they were being very tacky with it because of it being set in the 60s and all, mm-hmm. but how that, that tackiness actually worked in their favor. So if you, if you look past that, because if you look at it out of context, it, it does look quite ridiculous. I'm sure, I, I, I understand that. <laughs> But still, pick up the controller and play that damn game because it is mm. a masterpiece. Oh, and, and one really hilarious moment in a recent uh, convention: there was a video game Jeopardy uh, contest, and the final Jeopardy question was, "What game set in the '60s uh, opens with the protagonist performing the world's first Halo jump?" <laughs> and I knew it was Snake Eater. All three contestants thought the answer was Halo. Oh no. <laughs> Which I, I can only imagine was the writer's intention. They say in the set in the sixties, but they're like, no, 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 it's gotta be Halo, because the the name the name is in there. It's gotta be Halo. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, what are some of your other favorite video games? Because uh, I'm I'm it's it's a huge hobby for me, as well. I can I can I'm trying I'm trying to find uh, the Metal Gear trilogy in my stack of PS3 games over there, and it's there's at least sixty of them, and I can't tell which one tell which one it is. Well, I, I, I was fortunate enough to grow up on uh, Super Nintendo mm-hmm. because my brother had a Super Nintendo. So I grew up on Street Fighter 2, Super Mario World, and Donkey Kong Country 2, 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I made that switch to PlayStation, I never actually looked back to Nintendo. 
Um, and yeah, I started off with Crash Bandicoot and Spyro the Dragon and slowly just moved into darker material, such as mm-hmm. Metal Gear. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I, I love the Jack and Daxter series. Oh, nice. I'm a huge fan of that one. So I was thinking of the games that I played recently that contain what, you know, a really sumptuous artwork, just to, you know, I guess combine our, our interests. Um, are you at all familiar with the uh, the library from Vanillaware? No, no, I'm not. Uh, Vanillaware is a, as a Japanese developer, they work, uh, they're published by uh, Atlas uh, primarily, and uh, their games are Odin Sphere and Dragon's Crown. And uh, Muramasa, they are 2D, extremely sumptuous animated sprites. While Odin Sphere and Dragon's Crown are, are largely like medieval uh, European fantasy flavored, Muramasa is of course uh, feudal Japanese flavored. So if you actually would like to fight some uh, uh, some Kappas and Tengu uh, while dancing around the uh, the treetops, uh, all uh, crouching tiger, hidden dragon style, or I'm sorry, no, that's that's Chinese, uh, all Legend of Kage style, they have saved it. <laughs> Uh, then yeah, um, um, I, I'm playing Muramasa Rebirth, which is a remake that's on the Vita. Well, you should play the Vita. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm. I, I, that, that's that, that's usually the uh, the reaction I get. <laughs> hmm. Now I'm looking at um, I'm looking at some of the images right now that you mentioned because I've never heard of this, but I'm not exactly like super savvy on what's going on in gaming these days, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But that looks yeah, that looks kind of cool though. Or, or how about, uh, you know of any games from uh, Arc System Works? No, sir. That's, a, that's another uh, another Japanese developer that uh, they're famous for uh, Guilty Gear. That I've heard of. Mm-hmm. It's the closest you can come to for, to see, like, living comic book uh, artistry, I feel. It looks like we're winding down the clock. Uh, before we go, though, I did want to, uh, to ask you, um, I have seen, um, I, I live in Central Maryland, but um, I can pretty much guarantee any comic book uh, shop that I walk into has advertisements for the Joe Hubert School. I actually decided to, uh, to, to, to double check uh, where where that is in uh, Dover, New Jersey, and lo and behold, I was basically right down the street from there just last weekend because I was in uh, Parsippany, uh, New Jersey, for a video game convention. Yeah, and Emma I, mentioned that to me, actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, by the way, I'm not being glib with their name. No, they, they are literally called A Video Game Convention. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I constantly see advertisements for the Qbert School. Um, it kind of reminds me of, of the, those commercials from the late 90s where you were asked to draw a turtle and a pirate. And if you, you draw a turtle and a pirate, then you're in. But I, I, I can only assume that, that modern uh, art schools have stricter vetting processes now. Um, no, yeah, you know, you definitely need to have a, um, a set portfolio. However, I think the thing that really makes or breaks whether or not you go in, other than the financial aspect of it, which is also extremely important, but it's really the motivation. Because anybody can come into the school at any level, and trust me, I've seen the variety of levels, in my class even. I mean, I, I consider myself definitely when I started on the lower tier of skill sets and then I gradually kind of worked my way up to somewhat okay Mm -hmm. Um, but my point is is that it doesn't really matter how good you are at the moment that you enroll in school what matters is your work ethic while you're in school if you are serious enough to become serious about this art business because it is a serious business, no pun intended and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to give it your, your all. And that 
that school, that program demands your all. If you're not putting in all that you have into your assignments and your work and everything that you got to do around with school, you're wasting your time, you're wasting your instructor's time, and you're basically taking up somebody else's space that could have, you know, could have enrolled into the program but wasn't able to because there was no more space. And I'm not saying that I haven't seen those people through the years, but my point with all this is that if you don't have the mental chops, if you don't have the spirits to really go through that grueling process, and you'll find that out sooner, soon enough, then there's just no point in you going there. But um, if you do, if you are motivated enough to do it, then you'll see that you will have improved in leaps and bounds by the end of it, because you have. Because I can honestly say that. When I, I mean it when I said that I was on the lower tier of, you know, mm-hmm. of skillful. So, and now I can do things where I'm like, ah, this didn't come out half bad. It really was because of those three years of Huber school. Mm-hmm. And because I took my assignments relatively seriously, you know, like I would try to do my best on um, most of them. Um, and I definitely, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because I had guys in my class who were always working more than anybody else and it made you feel terribly guilty for not working as hard and those guys definitely improved too you know like but it's just yeah no you have to have the motivation and the drive to go through it and then it will pay out a pay off but if you're not going to put the effort into it then you you're not going to get it mm-hmm. what you want out of it that's um. my spiel well, um, I should probably also clarify after you know after coming off of that that heated discussion about video games. Uh, when we say Cubert, we we don't mean the round orange guy with the, with the snout, who who jumps on the pyramid of cubes. It's no, a, this, yeah. this guy's name starts with a K. Yes. So just just want, just just want to clear that air. So I guess I guess that'll do it for <laughs> for uh, for us tonight. Um, once again, uh, you uh, the Kickstarter is for Forty Seven Furious Tales. That's right. Please feel free to find it and uh, donate before uh, November 13th of 2017. Alexia, it has been a pleasure uh, sitting down and talking to you. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, I guess we will uh, catch you next time. Awesome. Uh, Maybe uh, for issue two. If mm-hmm. you guys can manage to make issue one happen, why not issue two and all the other ones? Because it is a series of 12 issues. Oh, uh, all right. 12 issues. All right. Well, we'll do our best to, to, to get you there. Thanks once again to uh, Ms. Alexia Feldhausen. I, I, I've learned so much tonight about Japanese squirrels. <laughs> you learn something new every day. Good night, folks. Alrighty.